Chapter Ten of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James O'Connor. The Mysteries of Paris, Volume One, by Eugene Sue. Chapter Ten, Castles in the Air. For some time after this conversation with the Chourineur, Rodolphe remained preoccupied and pensive, while Fleur de Marie, too timid to break the silence, continued to gaze on him with saddened earnestness. At length Rodolphe looked up and, meeting her mournful look, smiled kindly on her and said, What are you thinking of, my child? I fear our rencontre with the Chourineur has made you uncomfortable. And we were so merry, too. Oh, no, Monsieur Rudolph, indeed, I do not mind it at all. Nay, I even believe the meeting with the Chourineur may be useful to you. Did not this man pass amongst the inhabitants of the Tapis Franc, as possessing some good points among his many bad ones? Indeed, I know not, Monsieur Rudolph, for although previously to the scene of yesterday, I had frequently seen him, I had scarcely ever spoken to him, I always looked upon him as bad as all the rest. Well, well, do not let us talk any more about him, my pretty Fleur de Marie. I should be sorry indeed to make you sad. I who brought you out purposely that you might spend a happy day. Oh, I am happy. It is so very long since I have been out of Paris. Not since your grand doings with Rigolette? Yes, indeed, Monsieur Rudolph, but that was in the spring. Yet though it is now autumn, I enjoy it quite as much. How beautifully the sun shines! Only look at the gold-coloured clouds out there. There, I mean. And then that hill, with its pretty white houses half hid among the trees, and the leaves still so green, though we are in the middle of the month of October. Do you not think it is wonderful, Monsieur Rudolph? They should so well preserve their verdure? In Paris all the leaves wither so soon. Look, look at those pigeons, how many there are, and how high they fly. Now they are settling on that old mill. One is never tired in the open fields of looking at all these amusing sights. It is indeed a pleasure to behold the delight you seem to take in all these trifling matters, Fleur de Marie, though they in reality constitute the charm of the landscape and Rodolphe was right, for the countenance of his companion while gazing upon the fair calm scene before her was lit up with an expression of the purest joy. See, she exclaimed after intently watching the different objects that unfolded themselves to her eager look. See how beautifully the clear white smoke rises from those cottages and ascends to the very clouds themselves. And there are some men ploughing the land. What a capital plough they have got! drawn by those two fine grey horses. Oh, if I were a man, how I should like to be a husbandman, to go out in the fields and drive one's own plough, and then when you look to see the blue skies and the green shiny leaves of the neighbouring forests, such a day as today, for instance, when you feel half inclined to weep without knowing why, and begin singing old and melancholy songs like Genevieve de Brabant, do you know Genevieve de Brabant, Monsieur Rudolph? No, my child, but I hope you will have the kindness to sing it to me before the day is over. 
you know our time is all our own at these words which reminded the poor goualeuse that her newly tasted happiness was fast fleeting away and that at the close of this the brightest day that had ever shone on her existence she must return to all the horrors of a corrupt city her feelings broke through all restraint she hid her face in her hands and burst into tears much surprised at her emotion rodolph kindly inquired its cause what ails you fleur de marie what fresh grief have you found nothing nothing indeed monsieur rodolph replied the girl drying her eyes and trying to smile pray forgive me for being so sad and please not to notice it i assure you i have nothing at all to grieve about it is only a fancy and now i am going to be quite gay you will see and you were as gay as could be a few minutes ago yes i know i was and it was my thinking how soon answered fleur de marie naively and raising her large tearful blue eyes with touching candour to his face the look the words fully enlightened rodolph as to the cause of her distress and wishing to dissipate it he said smilingly i would lay a wager you are regretting your poor rose-tree and are crying because you could not bring it out walking with you as you used to do the goualess fell into the good-natured scheme for regaining her cheerfulness and by degrees the clouds of sadness cleared away from her fair young face and once again she appeared absorbed in the pleasure of the moment without allowing herself to recollect the future that would succeed it the vehicle had by this time almost arrived at st denis and the tall spires of the cathedral were visible oh what a fine steeple exclaimed la goualeuse it is that of the splendid church of st denis would you like to see it we can easily stop our carriage poor fleur-de-marie cast down her eyes from the hour i went to live with the ogress said she in a low tone while deep blushes dyed her cheek i never once entered a church i durst not when in prison on the contrary i used to delight in helping to sing the mass and against the fete dieu oh i made such lovely bouquets for the altar but god is merciful and good why then fear to pray to him or to enter his holy church oh no no monsieur rodolph i have offended god deeply enough let me not add impiety and sacrilege to my sins after a moment's silence rodolph again renewed the conversation and kindly taking the hand of la goualeuse said fleur de marie tell me honestly have you ever known what it is to love never monsieur rodolph and how do you account for this you saw the kind of persons who frequented the tapis franc and then to love the object should be good and virtuous why do you think so oh because one's lover or husband would be all in all to us and we should seek no greater happiness than devoting our life to him but monsieur rodolph if you please we will talk of something else for the tears will come into my eyes willingly fleur de marie let us change the conversation and now tell me why do you look so beseechingly at me with those large tearful eyes have i done anything to displease you on the contrary tis the excess of your goodness that makes me weep indeed i could almost fancy that you had brought me out solely for my individual pleasure and enjoyment without thinking of yourself not content with your generous defence of me yesterday 
you have to-day procured for me happiness such as i never hope to enjoy you are then truly and entirely happy never never shall i forget to-day happiness does not often attend us on earth said rodolph sighing alas no seldom perhaps never for my own part to make up for a want of reality in its possession i often amuse myself with pictures of what i would have if i could saying to myself this is how and where i should like to live this is the sort of income i should like to enjoy have you never my little fleur-de-marie amused yourself with building similar castles in the air yes formerly when i was in prison before i went to live with the ogress then i used to do nothing all day but dance sing and build these fairy dreams but i very seldom do so now tell me monsieur rodolph if you could have any wish you liked what should you most desire oh i should like to be rich with plenty of servants and carriages to possess a splendid hotel and to mix in the first circles of fashion to be able to obtain any amusement i pleased and to go to the theatres and opera whenever i chose well then you would be more unreasonable than i should now i will tell you exactly what would satisfy me in every respect first of all sufficient money to clear myself with the ogress and to keep me till i could obtain work for my future support then a pretty little nice clean room all to myself from the window of which i could see the trees while i sat at my work plenty of flowers in your casement of course oh certainly and if it could be managed to live in the country always and that i think is all i should want let me see a little room and work enough to maintain you those are positive necessaries but when one is merely wishing there is no harm in adding a few superfluities should you not like such nice things as carriages diamonds and rich clothes not at all all i wish for is my free and undisturbed liberty a country life and the certainty of not dying in a hospital oh that idea is dreadful above all things i would desire the certainty of its never being my fate oh monsieur rodolph that dread often comes across me and fills me with terror alas poor folks such as we are should not shrink from such things tis not the dying in a charitable institution i dread or the poverty that would send me into it but the thoughts of what they do to your lifeless remains what do they do that shocks you so much is it possible monsieur rodolph you have never been told what will become of you if you die in one of those places no indeed i have not do you tell me well then i knew a young girl who had been sort of a companion to me when i was in prison she afterwards died in a hospital and what do you think her body was given to the surgeons for dissection murmured the shuddering fleur-de-marie that is indeed a frightful idea and do these miserable anticipations often trouble you my poor girl ah monsieur rodolph it surprises you that after my unhappy life i can feel any concern as to what becomes of my miserable remains god knows the feeling which makes me shrink from such an outrage to modesty is all my wretched fate has left me the mournful tone in which these words were uttered and the bitter feelings they contained went to the heart of rodolph but his companion quickly perceiving his air of dejection and blaming himself for having caused it said timidly 
M. Rodolph, I feel that I am behaving very ill and ungratefully towards you, who so kindly brought me out to amuse me and give me pleasure, in return for which I only keep talking to you about all the dull and gloomy things I can think of. I wonder how I can do so, to be able even to recollect my misery when all around me smiles and looks so gay. I cannot tell how it is. Words seem to rise from my lips in spite of myself, and though I feel happier to-day than I ever did before in my life, my eyes are continually filling with tears. You are not angry with me, are you, Monsieur Rodolphe? See, too, my sadness is going away as suddenly as it came. There, now, it is all gone, and shall not return to vex you any more. I am determined. Look, Monsieur Rodolphe, just look at my eyes. They do not show that I have been crying, do they? and here fleur de marie having repeatedly closed her eyes to get rid of the rebellious tears that would gather there opened them full upon rodolph with a look of most enchanting candour and sweetness put no restraint on yourself i beseech you fleur de marie be gay if you really feel so or sad if sadness most suits your present state of mind i have my own hours of gloom and melancholy and my sufferings would be much increased were I compelled to feign a lightness of heart, I did not really possess. Can it be possible, Monsieur Rodolphe, that you are ever sad? Quite possible, my child, and true. Alas, the prospect before me is but little brighter than your own. I, like you, am without friends or parents. What would become of me if I were to fall ill and be unable to earn my daily bread? for i need scarcely tell you i live but from day to day and spend my money quite as fast as i obtain it oh but that is wrong monsieur rodolph very very wrong said la goualesse in a tone of such deep and grave remonstrance as made him smile you should always lay by something look at me why all my troubles and misfortunes have happened because i did not save my money more carefully if once a person can get a hundred francs beforehand he need never fear falling into anyone's power. Generally, a difficulty about money puts very evil thoughts into our head. All that is very wise and very sensible, my frugal little friend. But a hundred francs? That is a large sum. How could a man like myself ever amass so much? Why, Monsieur Rudolph, it is really very easy, if you will but consider a little. First of all, I think you said you could earn five francs a day yes so i can when i choose to work ah but you should work constantly and regularly and yours is such a pretty trade paint fans how nice such work must be mere amusement quite a recreation i cannot think why you should ever be tired or dull indeed monsieur Dolph, i must tell you plainly i do not pity you at all and besides Really, you talk like a mere child when you say you cannot save money out of such large earnings, added La Goualesse in a sweet, but for her, severe tone. Why, a workman may live well upon three francs a day. There remain forty sous at the end of a month. If you manage prudently, you will have saved sixty francs. Think of that. There's a sum, sixty francs in one month. Oh, but one likes to show off sometimes and to indulge in a little idleness. There now, Monsieur Rodolphe, I declare you make me quite angry to hear you talk so childishly. Pray let me advise you to be wiser. Come then, my sage little monitress, I will be a good boy and listen to all your careful advice. 
and your idea of saving too is a remarkably good one i never thought of it before really exclaimed the poor girl clapping her hands with joy oh if you knew how delighted i am to hear you say so then you will begin from to-day to lay by the forty sous we were talking about will you will you indeed i give you my honour that from this very hour i will resolve to follow up your most excellent plan and save forty sous out of each day's pay are you quite quite sure you will nay have i not promised you that i will you will see how proud and happy you will be with your first savings and that is not all ah if you would promise not to be angry do i look as though i could be so unkind fleur de marie as to find fault with anything you said oh no indeed that you do not only i hardly know whither i ought you ought to tell me everything you think or feel fleur de marie well then i was wondering how you who it is easily seen are above your condition can frequent such low cabarets as that kept by the ogress had i not done so i should not have had the pleasure of wandering in the fields with you to-day my dear fleur de marie that is indeed true monsieur rodolph but still it does not alter my first opinion no much as i enjoy to-day's treat i would cheerfully give up all thoughts of ever passing such another if i thought it could in any way injure you injure me far from it think of the excellent advice you have been giving me which you have promised me to follow i have and i pledge my word of honour to save henceforward at least forty sous a day thus speaking rodolph called out to the driver of their vehicle who was passing the village of sarcelles take the first road to the right cross villiers to bell turn to the left then keep along quite straight now said rodolph turning to his companion that i am a good boy and promise to do all you tell me let us go back to our diversion of building castles in the air that does not run away with much money you will not object to such a method of amusing myself will you oh no build as many as you like they are very cheaply raised and very easily knocked down when you are tired of them now then you begin well then no fleur de marie you shall build up yours first i wonder if you could guess what i should choose if wishing were all monsieur rodolph let us try suppose that this road i say this road because we happen to be on it yes yes of course this road is as good as any other well then i say i suppose that this road leads to a delightful little village at a considerable distance from the high road oh yes that makes it so much more still and quiet it is built facing the south and half surrounded by trees and close by flows a gentle river exactly a clear gently flowing river at the end of this village stands a pretty farm with a nice orchard on one side of it and a garden filled with flowers on the other that farm shall be called my farm to which we will pretend we are now going just so and where we know we shall get some delicious milk to drink after our journey milk indeed excellent cream and newly laid eggs if you please and where we would be glad to stay all our lives all our lives quite right go on and then we should go and see all the cows to be sure we should and afterwards visit the dairy visit the dairy yes then the pigeon-house yes so we should 
Oh, how very, very nice only to think of such things. But let me finish the description of the farm. Yes, pray do, I quite forgot that. Well, then, the ground floor contains two rooms, one a large kitchen for the farm servants, and the other for the owner of the place. Make that room have green blinds, Monsieur Rudolph. Do, pray, they are so cool and look so pretty. Yes, yes, green blinds to the windows, I quite agree with you. They do look uncommonly pretty, and set off a place so well. Of course the person tenanting this farm is your aunt. Of course she is my aunt, and a very good, sensible, kind woman, Monsieur Rudolph, is she not? Particularly so, and loves you like her own child. Dear good aunt, oh, how delightful to have someone to love us. And you return the tender affection she bears you. Oh, with all my heart, exclaimed Fleur de Marie, clasping her hands and raising her eyes to heaven with an expression impossible to describe. And I should help her to work, to attend to the family linen, to keep everything neat and clean, to store up the summer fruits against winter. Oh, she would never have to complain that I was idle. I promise, first of all in the morning. Wait a bit, Fleur de Marie. You are in too great a hurry. I want to finish describing the house to you. Never mind your aunt just yet. Aha, Mr. Painter, all this is taken from some pretty landscape you have been painting on a fan. Now I know what makes you so expert at describing it, said La Goualeuse, laughing merrily at her own little jest. You little chatterer, be quiet, will you? Yes, I am a chatterer indeed to interrupt you so often, Monsieur Rodolphe. But pray go on, and I will not speak again till you have finished painting this dear farm. Your room is on the first floor. My room, how charming! Oh, go on, go on, please, Monsieur Rodolphe, and describe all about it to me. And the delighted girl opened her large laughing eyes, and pressed more closely against Rodolphe, as if she expected to see the picture in his hand. Your chamber has two windows looking out upon the flower garden, and a small meadow, watered by the river we mentioned. On the opposite bank of the stream rises a small hill, planted with fine old chestnut trees, and from amongst them peeps out the village church. Oh, how beautiful, how very beautiful, Monsieur Rodolphe! It makes one quite long to be there. Three or four fine cows are grazing in the meadow, which is only separated from the garden by a hedge of honeysuckle. And from my windows I can see the cows? Perfectly and one among them ought to be my favourite, you know, Monsieur Rodolphe, and I ought to put a little bell round its neck, and use it to feed out of my hands. Of course, she would come when you called her. Let me see, what name shall we give her? Suppose we say Musette. Do you like that? She shall be very young and gentle, and entirely white. Oh, what a pretty name, Musette. Ah, Musette, Musette. I shall be always feeding you, and patting you to make you know me. Now we will finish the inside of your apartment, Fleur de Marie. The curtains and furniture are green, like the blinds, and outside the window grow an enormous rose tree and honeysuckle, which entirely cover this side of the farm, and so surround your casements that you have only to stretch out your hand to gather a large bunch of roses and honeysuckle wet with the early morning dew. Ah, Monsieur Rodolphe, what a good painter you are! Now this is the way you will pass your day. 
Yes, yes, let us see how I shall employ myself all day. Early in the morning your good aunt wakes you with a tender kiss. She brings with her a bowl of new milk, just warm, which she prays you to drink, as she fancies you are delicate about the lungs, poor dear child. Well, you do as she wishes you, then rise and take a walk around the farm, pay a visit to Musette, the poultry, your pets the pigeons, the flowers in the garden, till nine o'clock when your writing master arrives. My writing master? Why, you know, unless you learn such necessary things as reading and writing and accounts, you would not be able to assist your aunt to keep her books relative to the produce of the farm. Oh, to be sure, how very stupid of me not to recollect that I must learn to write well, if I wish to help my aunt, cried the young girl, so thoroughly absorbed in the picture of this peaceful life as to believe for the moment in its reality. After your lesson is concluded, you will occupy yourself in household matters or embroider some pretty little article of dress for yourself. Then you will practice your writing for an hour or two, and when that is done, join your aunt in her round of visits to the different operations of the farm. In the summer, to see how the reapers get on in the hayfield. In harvest time, to observe the reapers, and afterwards to enjoy the delight with which the gleaners pick up the scattered ears of grain. By this time you will have almost tired yourself, and gathering in a large handful of wild herbs, carefully selected by you as the known favorites of your dear Musette, you turn your steps homewards. But we go back through the meadow, dear Monsieur Rudolph, do we not? inquired La Goualeuse, as earnestly as though every syllable her ears drank in was to be effectually brought to pass. Oh, yes, by all means, and there happens fortunately to be a nice little bridge by which the river separating the farmland from the meadow may be crossed. By the time you reach home, upon my word, it is seven o'clock, and as the evenings begin to be a little chill, a bright cheerful fire is blazing in the large farm kitchen. You go in there for a few minutes, just to warm yourself, and to speak a few kind words to the honest laborers, who are enjoying a hearty meal after the day's toil is over. Then you sit down to dinner with your aunt, Sometimes a curé or a neighboring farmer is invited to share the meal. After dinner you read or work while your aunt and her guest have a friendly game at piquet. At ten o'clock she dismisses you with a kiss and a blessing to your chamber. You retire to your room, offer prayers and thanksgivings to the great author of all your happiness, then sleep soundly till morning when the same routine begins again. Oh, Monsieur Rudolph, one might lead such a life as that for a hundred years without ever knowing one moment's weariness. But that is not all. There are Sundays and fete days to be thought of. Yes, and how should we pass those? Why, you would put on your holiday dress with one of those pretty little caps, a la paysanne, which all admit you look so very nicely in, and accompany your aunt in her large, old-fashioned chaise driven by James, the farm servant, to hear mass in the village church, after which, during summer, your kind relative would take you to the different fetes given in the adjoining parishes, you so gentle, so modest and good-looking, so tenderly beloved by your aunt, and so well spoken of by the curé for all the virtues and qualifications which make a good wife, will have no scarcity of office for your hand in the dance. 
indeed all the principal young farmers will be anxious to secure you as a partner by way of opening an acquaintance which shall last for life by degrees you begin to remark one more than the others you perceive his deep desire to attract your undivided attention and so and here rodolph struck by the continued silence of la goualeuse looked up at her alas the poor girl was endeavouring though fruitlessly to choke the deep sobs which almost suffocated her for a brief period carried away by the words of rodolph the bright future presented to her mental vision had effaced the horrible present but too quickly did the hideous picture return and sweep away forever the dear delight of believing so sweet so calm an existence could ever be hers fleur de marie asked rodolph in a kind and affectionate tone why is this why these tears ah monsieur rodolph you have unintentionally caused me much pain foolish girl that i was i had listened to you till i quite fancied this paradise were a true picture and so it is my dear child this paradise as you call it is no fiction stop coachman now look see observe where we are as the carriage stopped la goualeuse at rodolph's bidding mechanically raised her head they were on the summit of a little hill what was her surprise her astonishment at the scene which revealed itself to her gaze the pretty village built facing the south the farm the meadow the beautiful cows the little winding river the chestnut grove the church in the distance the whole picture so vividly painted was before her eyes nothing was wanting even the milk-white heifer musette her future pet was peacefully grazing as she had been described the rich colouring of an october sun gilded the charming landscape while the variegated tint of the chestnut leaves slightly tinged by the autumnal breezes stood out in bold relief against the clear blue of the surrounding sky well my little fleur-de-marie what do you say to this am i a good painter or not la goualeuse looked at him with a surprise in which a degree of uneasiness was mingled all she saw and heard appeared to her to partake largely of the supernatural monsieur rodolph she at length exclaimed with a bewildered look how can this be indeed indeed i feel afraid to look at it it is so exactly alike i cannot believe it is anything but a dream you have conjured up and which will quickly pass away speak to me pray do and tell me what to believe calm yourself my dear child nothing is more simple or true than what you behold here the good woman who owns this farm was my nurse and brought me up here intending to give myself a treat i sent to her early this morning to say i was coming to see her you see i painted after nature you are quite right monsieur rodolph sighed la goualeuse there is indeed nothing but what is quite natural in all this the farm to which rodolph had conducted fleur-de-marie was situated at the outer extremity of the village of bouqueval a small isolated and unknown hamlet entirely surrounded by its own lands and about two leagues distance from ecouen the vehicle following the directions of rodolph rapidly descended the hill and entered a long avenue bordered with apple and cherry trees while the wheels rolled noiselessly over the short fine grass with which the unfrequented road was overgrown 
fleur-de-marie whose utmost efforts were unavailing to shake off the painful sensations she experienced remained so silent and mournful that rodolph reproached himself with having by his well-intentioned surprise been the cause of it in a few moments more the carriage passing by the large entrance to the farm entered a thick avenue of elm trees and stopped before a little rustic porch half hidden by the luxuriant branches of the vine which clustered round it now fleur-de-marie here we are are you pleased with what you see indeed i am monsieur rodolph but how shall i venture before the good person you mentioned as living here pray do not let her see me i cannot venture to approach her and why my child true monsieur rodolph i forget she does not know me and will not guess how unworthy i am and poor fleur-de-marie tried to suppress the deep sigh that would accompany her words the arrival of rodolph had no doubt been watched for the driver had scarcely opened the carriage door when a prepossessing female of middle age dressed in the style of wealthy landholders about paris and whose countenance though melancholy was also gentle and benevolent in its expression appeared in the porch and with respectful eagerness advanced to meet rodolph poor goualeuse felt her cheeks flush and her heart beat as she timidly descended from the vehicle good day good day madame georges said rodolph advancing towards the individual so addressed you see i am punctual then turning to the driver and putting money into his hand he said here my friend there is no further occasion to detain you you may return to paris as soon as you please the coachman a little short square-built man with his hat over his eyes and his countenance almost entirely concealed by the high collar of his driving-coat pocketed the money without a word remounted his seat gave his horses the whip and disappeared down the allee verte by which he had entered fleur-de-marie sprang to the side of rodolph and with an air of unfeigned alarm almost amounting to distress said in a tone so low as not to be overheard by madame georges monsieur rodolph monsieur rodolph pray do not be angry but why have you sent away the carriage will it not return to fetch us away of course not i have quite done with the man and therefore dismissed him but the ogress what of her why do you mention her name alas alas because i must return to her this evening indeed indeed i must or or she will consider me a thief the very clothes i have on are hers and besides i owe her make yourself quite easy my dear child it is my part to ask your forgiveness not you mine my forgiveness oh for what can you require me to pardon you for not having sooner told you that you no longer owe the ogress anything that it rests only with yourself to decide whether you will henceforward make this quiet spot your home and cast off the garments you now wear for others my kind friend madame georges will furnish you with she is much about your height and can supply you with everything you require she is all impatience to commence her part of aunt i can assure you poor fleur-de-marie seemed utterly unable to comprehend the meaning of all she saw and heard and gazed with wondering and perplexed looks from one companion to the other as though fearing to trust either her eyes or ears do i understand you rightly she cried at length half breathless with emotion not go back to paris remain here and this lady will permit me to stay with her oh it cannot be possible i dare not hope it 
that would indeed be to realize our castles in the air dear fleur-de-marie your wishes are realized your dream a true one no no you must be jesting that would be too much happiness to expect or even dare to hope for nay fleur-de-marie we should never find fault with an oversupply of happiness ah monsieur rodolph for pity's sake deceive me not you cannot believe the misery i should experience were you to tell me all this happiness was but a jest my child listen to me said rodolph with a tone and manner which although still affectionate was mingled with a dignified accent and manner fleur-de-marie had never previously remarked in him i repeat that if you please you may from this very hour lead here with madame george that peaceful life whose description but a short time since so much delighted you though the kind lady with whom you will reside be not your aunt she will feel for you the most lively and affectionate interest and with the personages about the farm you will pass as being really and truly her niece and this innocent deception will render your residence here more agreeable than advantageous once more i repeat to you fleur-de-marie you may now at your own pleasure realize the dream of our journey as soon as you have assumed your village dress said rodolph smilingly we will take you to see that milk-white heifer musette who is to be your favorite henceforward and who is only waiting for the pretty collar you design to ornament her with then we will go and introduce ourselves to your pets the pigeons afterwards visit the dairy and so go on till we have been all over the farm i mean to keep my promise in every respect i assure you fleur-de-marie pressed her hands together with earnest gratitude surprise joy and the deepest thankfulness mingled with respect lit up her beautiful countenance while with eyes streaming with tears she exclaimed monsieur rodolph you are you must be one of those beneficent angels sent by the almighty to do good upon earth and to rescue poor fallen creatures like myself from shame and misery my poor girl replied rodolph with a smile of deep sadness and ineffable kindness though still young i have already deeply suffered i lost a dear child who if living would now be about your age let that explain my deep sympathy with all who suffer and for yourself particularly fleur de marie or rather marie only now go with madame georges who will show you the pretty chamber with its clustering roses and honeysuckle to form your morning bouquets yes marie henceforward let that name simple and sweet as yourself be your only appellation before my departure we will have some talk together and then i shall quit you most happy in the knowledge of your full contentment fleur de marie without one word of reply gracefully bent her knee and before rodolph could prevent her gently and respectfully raised his hand to her lips then rising with an air of modest submission followed madame georges who eyed her with a profound interest out of the room end of chapter ten recording by james o'connor randolph massachusetts february two thousand twelve